Yo, welcome to How to Write a Novel. Back to my series where I'm walking through a mountain trail in Fukuoka, Japan. It's a few days later, and man, like I was saying last time, how uh, as good as it feels to be out in nature and to do stuff, there's always that, uh, I mean, it's the same as writing, really. How with writing, it feels good to write, it feels good to have written, it feels good to do all this stuff, but there's always that push, that resistance, there's that something in you that just doesn't want to do it. It's kind of like that with this, where uh, as awesome as it is, there's still just those, <laughs> it's so easy not to. It's so easy not to do the thing that's better. So like, I usually take a day off after climbing this here mountain, because uh, especially last time, it's crazy, man. I found this other path. Turns out there's like a shitload of paths. There's way more paths through these mountains than I thought there was. And I got so far off track that uh, finally it's like, okay, it's starting to get dark. I better just take whichever path seems to be going down. And it was a little dangerous. I definitely started getting, it's a lot of like people set up ropes and stuff to help you climb up and down. Still just steps, but you know, they're like natural steps. They're just like steps people have kind of made themselves. Pretty rough, pretty steep. And I did start to have those little thoughts of like, little uh, fantasies is the wrong word. <laughs> little visions of myself falling down the side of the hill and breaking my ankle. Uh, but then halfway down, I just lost track of the trail entirely. And I just ended up in this like shallow ravine walking along, trying to uh, navigate through that for a while. Trying to avoid mosquitoes and shit, because it was, uh, there's not that many mosquitoes around here, but when you're right by water, there is. And then thankfully, I eventually found a trail again and got the fuck out of there. And I ended up, if you look on the map of Fukuoka, it's called Sawara Ward. And it's just this little tiny, it's crazy. It looks like it's from some kind of weird movie or something. Just like this little town that is like literally maybe, I'm gonna say a mile across. It might be a little larger than that, but really short. Like you could walk across it, no problem. And there's a 360 panorama of mountains all around it. It's fucked up. It's like, magically beautiful. <laughs> but at the same time, it's the middle of nowhere. It took me a while to figure out where I was and how to get home. So that was a particularly long day. So I take a day off after, just to recuperate a bit. Then the day after that, which was yesterday, it was so hot out that uh, I took a detour to a convenience store to use the Wi-Fi because my Wi-Fi wasn't working at my Airbnb. And then by the time I got back to the entrance to the mountain, it's just so hot. I just was like, let me just stop back in my little Airbnb. And I never made it out again. <laughs> it's just, it was so hot. Maybe it was for the best that I didn't go up the mountain. Then today, just uh, didn't expect this, but just on the first little bit coming up the mountain, my one of my shins is really sore and I don't know why. And I was like, fuck, maybe I can't. Maybe I gotta take another day off. Maybe I really am just a fucking old man. But then as I started going up, it felt fine, and now I'm starting to feel it hurt a little bit again. But hey, I'm halfway up the mountain now. Too late to stop. And yeah, now that I'm up here, this is cool. So this little series, I decided to do a little series up on this mountain about 
songs and the way music can relate to writing. So this is a pretty quick little idea. It's just like an idea I had for the novel I'm writing where last episode I described like the opening chapter and I set it to music as just like a way to kind of help visualize things and to, to kind of whittle it down, you know, to, to make it as uh, sort of concise as uh, it should be. If this were a scene in a movie, if this were set to a song, we only got three and a half minutes or four minutes or whatever, what are all the beats? What are all the things that are gonna happen? So this time I'm just gonna describe this uh, idea for like a trailer for the whole story, which is a little vague. I, I mean, it's not as specific because, uh, you know, if I were to actually make a trailer, I would need to have all the footage and all the dialogue and, you know, I would build it out of that. Where this is more, when I think about it, it's more just like the general beats of the story because a lot of it is stuff I haven't even written yet. The whole last quarter of this book is still in progress. But before I get to that, this idea of trailers, this kind of, uh, I had this thought just, uh, I was laying around my Airbnb. One of the things when, uh, <laughs> when the internet, the internet there just kind of goes up and down and it's kind of nice when it doesn't work for a couple of days. It's like a little mini fast, a little mini cleanse. But there's a TV there and I was just flipping through the uh, Japanese TV channels, which are a lot more boring than I thought they would be. Cause you know, we always get like, Oh, look at all these cool Japanese shows. Look at all these cool Japanese commercials. But we're just getting the best ones. You know, we're getting the most interesting ones. Day-to-day -day TV is not that interesting. I'd say Japanese commercials are still on the whole better than our commercials, but they're not, you know, those super wacky fun time ones. I mean, I guess it stands to reason, of course, that every commercial isn't like that. But I just had no, even just stuff like this, it's interesting to learn because I never had any frame of reference for that when every Japanese commercial I've ever seen is the funniest, weirdest thing ever. Of course I just thought they were all like that. Why wouldn't I? <laughs> yeah. Nobody makes compilations and uploads them. Hello. Hey, doggy. <laughs> Nobody makes compilations and uploads them to YouTube of, uh, you know, boring Japanese commercials. Just passed a guy with his dog that uh, passed on the way up, or he passed me on the way up, and now he's coming back. It would be kind of neat to know a little more Japanese. You know, they even say like whatever those like, here's like the 10 phrases you need to know type of shit. But I feel a little disingenuous about that because it would just be a little weird to break out some Japanese. Cause it kind of, doesn't that, doesn't that suggest that maybe I can speak more Japanese, you know? And then it's just like the reality sinks in. Like that family guy joke where the guy says like, oh, I'm sorry, I don't speak English. And they're like, what do you mean you don't speak English? And he says, I can only speak that sentence and then this sentence explaining that sentence. And they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? And he's immediately, that's it. He can only speak Spanish after that. Seems kind of better to just uh, acknowledge right away that I don't know anything. But it would be kind of nice if I could just do minor chit chat, you know? <laughs> when I buy the giant bottle of water at the convenience store, it'd be kind of cool to just say like, yeah, I'm going up to the mountain right now but I can't do that. The neat side of it though, when you don't know anything, is you kind of realize it doesn't matter, <laughs> you know? It's never that important. I mean, obviously I'm not doing banking and stuff. When I lost my passport, that was all. <laughs> we dealt with that in English. But most of the time, day to day, you can get awful far with uh, 
a few basic gestures and a good attitude, <laughs> you know? But I was flipping through these Japanese channels and there's a lot of just shopping network channels and uh, there seems to be a lot of shows that are actually I kind of like where it's just people walking around neighborhoods and they're just like, hey, look at this. This is pretty nice. I like walking here. <laughs> I'm like, dude, that's what I do all day anyway. Wish I had a show doing that. Maybe I will someday. <laughs> but yeah, I'm flipping through the channels and uh, there's no sense in having the sound up because I don't understand what anyone's saying. So I was just listening to music and this one song came on. It's called My Frailty by... Fuck, <laughs> what is that band called? After the Burial. The Burial. After the Burial. Who I really only know that one album and even it, I only really like the first two songs. My Frailty and uh, Your Troubles Will Cease are both really good songs. And it's just one of those bands where it's like, holy shit, the first two songs I ever heard by this band are fucking awesome. It looks like I found my new band and just nothing else connected. It's so weird when that happens. It's just like, why? Why is the only Avenged Sevenfold song that I like still Bat Country? How come it never connected? <laughs> you know? That's why I'm so happy with bands like Bring Me the Horizon where they do connect and I just love all kinds of their shit. Sometimes I don't know what happens, it just doesn't work. But my frailty totally works, I love that song. And as I listened to it, I was just thinking about different stories that I'm working on and trying to figure out like, where could this song fit? Where would I use this song if I was making movies of all my stories? And I thought of the story that I've mentioned before that uh, it's very early on. I'm still just taking notes for it. I haven't set up anything specific for this story. I don't have any specific guidelines for it. Like my basic, my basic sort of pattern or path or whatever that I use for stories is I just gather notes. Just in the background while I'm working on other stuff, I just, if I think of an idea, I write it down. I do deliberately kind of like force myself to come up with one idea a day for any story, any place in any story, just one thing of something each day. Because realistically, it doesn't take that long. You know, you might be staring into space for 10 minutes, but it's worth it because it really adds up. And you know, when I finally get to work on these stories, these notes are going to be the lifeblood. These are going to be the, uh, the safety net, the thing that will keep me going in some kind of sensible path. I'm very opposed to the writing by the seat of your pants type philosophy and just hoping that it all comes together. I re recently did an episode called Endings that was all about that, of just like, if you just are hoping that your ending will be good, you're just like, you're doing a disservice to us, the reader. We're, we're doing you the favor of reading your shit. And we have so much goodwill because we assume a story's gonna go somewhere. We assume it's gonna end up somewhere. You can, you can hear the immediate annoyance in my voice because I hate bad endings. I hate them. And it's so obvious when some fuckwit didn't have any idea how their story was gonna end and they just hoped it would all wrap up and it never does. That's not how it works. If you came up with a fantastic ending on the, in the spur of the moment, like that's a miracle. You get one, you got lucky. That's not a way to be, that's not a way to write, that's not a way to proceed. Don't do that, <laughs> you know? I think there's a lot to be said for inspiration as you write and for changing the course of things 
depending on how you feel as things go. But I really think you gotta have a clear path through the woods. You gotta have a clear idea of where you're trying to get to. And if that idea changes, that's fine. But if you just sally forth with no idea and it ends up being, I mean, there's just so many forgettable stories in the world. There's so many worthless stories that don't need to exist. We'd all be just as well off without them. Don't make any more. We don't need any more. <laughs> we got enough. Sorry for that rant. Whew, that was a little steep. That'd be a funny part to fall down and break my arm. Right at the end of that. Anyway, this story that I was thinking of, it's about a girl gang. And it kind of took the idea from this Paul Pope comic called Heavy Liquid. There's this gang of girls that wear wife beaters and jeans, and they're not in the story that much. And I'm like, I wish they were in the story more. I wish there was a whole story about them. So I was like, hey, you know what? Let's set to thinking about that. So for the last couple of years, just I've just been thinking about it on the side when I'm done working on other stuff. It's one of the stories I think about. And I'm like, well, I wonder what could happen in that story. So I'm just slowly gathering stuff and gathering ideas and I've got an ending in mind, so it's, uh, it's relatively good to go. I could probably start working on that story anytime now, but I got other stuff that I'm working on that I gotta finish first. It's probably not the next story I would work on, it's probably two or three down the pipeline. And in the meantime, I'll just keep gathering notes. Going down a path I never went down before, so let's see what happens. There's like an observation deck somewhere around here that it's on the map, but I mean, how to actually get there, who the fuck knows. So anyway, I'm listening to this song and I'm thinking about this story and I started thinking about that movie trailer idea and I was thinking that could be like a neat little exercise is like, you know, people talk about uh, to have a strong plot. I don't know, everybody has their different little, their little things that they say, like you should be able to describe your novel in in X, in whatever, in under 500 words, or in under three sentences, or in one sentence, or the classic elevator pitch. You know, take your pick, whatever. But I was thinking what, since I'm so uh, musical-minded, and I think about things in relation to music so much, and the tone of music, and the feeling of music, and in a lot of ways, that's kind of what I, how I think of fiction, you know? Nonfiction is just basically to get ideas across, where fiction is to get feelings across, you know? It's to show somebody, to paint a little picture of the world as you see it and as you experience it and as you feel it and hope that somebody else feels that way as well. So I was thinking maybe that's a good way to see if you've got, like to, to nail down the essence of your story. What is the distinct point of your story? Which I think also ties into what I was rambling about, about endings, is like, I think a lot of reason why a lot of stories have these weird, flat endings that are just kind of a downer and just kind of are sort of like, well, that was deflating, is maybe because they don't have a clear idea of what the theme of their story is or what the point is or just what the feeling is, even what the tone is. Like, I feel like you don't necessarily need to have it nailed down like it's some kind of fucking essay but you do need to know the feeling. You need to know the tone. You need to know 
the sense of life, as Ayn Rand used to say, that you're trying to get across and don't let go of that. Stay focused on that. And inevitably your ending will relate to that. And if it doesn't, then that leaves everybody going like, what is this? Like the ending of Atlas Shrugged, speaking of Ayn Rand. What a shitty ending. <laughs> like, what the fuck was that? Um, so yeah, I was thinking like, what, uh, what if you, as like an exercise to nail down the essence of a story, what if you try to concoct a trailer for that story? And maybe not even a full trailer, because like, guys, I'll get to... I've got a sort of full trailer in my mind for my main novel, but that's kind of a lot. You gotta be pretty, pretty deep into a story. You gotta have a pretty robust understanding of it to get a whole two and a half minute whatever trailer out of it. What about a teaser trailer? What about one of those little trailers that's like 30 seconds or a minute, you know? And I think this could be like a neat little exercise. So I just kind of came to me with this story, but I'm going to try to do it for other stories. I'm going to see what I come up with just as I'm listening to music and thinking about different stories. That story about the, uh, the girl gang, just as I was watching Japanese TV and listening to the song My Frailty, and I started thinking about what if I was watching a trailer for this story. And it's basically, the, the gist of the story is it's this girl gang like five girls, I don't even know exactly how many. Like I said, it's still in, uh, in processing, but it's really just the two girls that are important. Green jeans and red jeans. So they all wear different colored jeans. Red jeans is the leader and she's all tough and cool and awesome. And that's how green jeans met her, is I just had this idea the other day, walking down the mountain. Is red jeans could like save her from some dude at a show that was like, getting drunk and inappropriate and maybe violent and she's scared and red jeans saves her and maybe this is like a good way to show how crazy red jeans is maybe she really just like clubs this guy with like a huge rock or something and they're like not even sure if he's alive it's like way too much and red jeans shows no remorse she wants to go further she just wants to kill him but the, you know they just get out of there or whatever so that's kind of that sets the story for Green Jeans' whole relationship with this person is Green Jeans loves Red Jeans because she's so powerful and so sure and so willing to act, but is also scared of her because she's so violent and insane and crazy, you know? And that's basically just the, there's gonna just be, their weird relationship will just continue and continue until it gets to be untenable and Green tries to leave but Red won't let her leave, and Red just gets more possessive and more weird and starts threatening Green's family and her little sister and stuff. And in the end, spoiler alert for a story that hasn't even started to be written, Green's gonna have to kill Red. Sad, sad ending. But Red's just too crazy, so... So I was thinking, like, what if this was the teaser trailer? You just play this song, you just show images of, you know, the relationship, the stuff that happens between these two people, and you just have the voiceover. And I jotted it down while I was watching TV, so let's find that. Green Jeans. Trailer. Red is the coolest girl I ever met. She saved me. I met her when she saved me from a guy 
And then she saved me from my boring life. She gave me everything. It was so hard to accept that I'd have to kill her. And that's it. Now let's try that again, set to music. All right, I just got to get to the right part of the song. The cool drum beat hits. Red is the coolest girl I ever met. And we see red jeans at like a show, hanging off the wall, like a tongue out, a beer in her hand, just loving life, just being awesome. She saved me. I met her when she saved me from a guy. And you know, fucking the whole scene of fucking, you know, they're fighting, struggling, breaks a beer bottle over this dude's head, whatever, just beats the shit out of him. Then she saved me from my boring life. She gave me everything. And we just get all these shots of the girl gang doing stuff, hanging out. They're like a little family. It's just awesome. It was so hard to accept that I'd have to kill her. Ah, it's so good. What a good song too, by the way. Fucking shit. So anyway, I think that's just a neat idea. That's like a cool little way to just to see how sturdy your little core of your story is. Can you break it down to just a quick little cool mini trailer? See, I'm gonna try to do that with other stories, but I mean, I'll just have to wait till the right song hits and the right thought hits me. Anyway, this path I took kind of taking, it's taking me to civilization. I can see a road. So I'm gonna adjourn and uh, I'll be back. Let's just let the end of this song play out. I found the overlook that I just said like I kept missing, like I'd see the name on the map. But yeah, totally, uh, one time I veered off the other way. One time I just literally went up and around it. I just completely walked around it. And here it's like, uh, it's not quite as big as I thought it would be, but the view is. The view is fucking excellent. Like you can just see everything. I can see, I guess the Fukuoka Tower is the big landmark in Fukuoka, and uh, I can't quite... Oh, there it is. I can see the very tip of it on the left, and then all the way on the right, just everything, all the way just to more mountains. All the mountains in the distance, it's crazy. Like, that's one of the things I love so much about Vancouver is the mountains. Here, it's, it's nuts. Like, it doesn't even look real. It's like one, two, three, four five, at least five layers of mountains as they go further back in the distance. So from, you know, they're so far away that they look flat. It looks like a parallax in an old video game. <laughs> it just doesn't quite look real. It really is like being in a postcard or that uh, Sawara ward place I mentioned that I was at the other day. Totally didn't feel real. Like it literally felt like I was walking through a postcard. Which is not always something that I feel in Japan. Like, have you ever noticed when you watch Japanese TV shows, dramas, and uh, some of the lower-end movies? 
there's something weird just about how they look. Things look a little washed out, a little bit... I don't know how to describe it. I just assumed it was the cameras that they use, and I think mostly it is. But there is something about that. I don't know if it's just like the, the way the light hits on this part of the world or something. Something just looks different than North America. Like, I remember the guys who made the game Far Cry 2 said that uh, it's set in Africa. And at some point during development, a bunch of them took an actual visit to Africa and they changed a bunch of stuff because once they were actually there, they were like, whoa, this is not like what we thought it was like. Like, for instance, at night, for whatever reason, just I guess the placement of the Earth, I don't know, the moon seems way, way closer and way, way bigger. And like, it's like bright. They said it was like nighttime was bright in a weird way that it just isn't like that in Europe and in North America. I guess this hemisphere, I mean, it's the only time I've ever been here. Something about it that I don't know because I don't know shit about dick. But anyway, it's a Friday afternoon as I record this. I'm putting these episodes out a little slow, you know, like once a week, but I'm recording them a little faster than that. So uh, who knows when this will actually come out. Nobody here right now. I'm sure someone will show up at any time and uh, embarrass me and I'll feel like a fool. But for now, let's just wrap up this episode because this view fucking kicks ass and this is a good excuse to just uh, hang out. I'm glad I found this place. I'm going to drag my friend Brad out here and he's not necessarily uh, a huge fan of uh, mountain, mountaineering. <laughs> but this is only like, now that I figured out how to get here, it's only like 40 minutes. It's big time worth it. There's a drink machine here. It's all good. It's going to be worth it. So yeah, along the lines of that little thing I just did with the tiny little mini teaser trailer, the main thing I wanted to do this episode, which is still pretty short, that's why I thought I'd bundle them both together, is this one song that uh, always makes me think of the novel I'm working on, which as I, I guess I'll describe it one more time <laughs> as we go. But uh, for uh, the whole time I've been working on this novel, I found this song right before I started? No, it was a little bit after. But ever since I found this song, it's made me think of this story. And every time I hear this song, I pretty much think of, I imagine it as the score to a trailer for my novel. It's a really bombastic, harsh song. I don't know what movie studio would ever let me use this song. And just from my days as a projectionist, just uh, the little bit I know about movie theater politics, I don't know that this would get played. I just like, my idea would be that I would want this trailer to shock people out of their fucking seats. Just like, wake up, wake up you fucks. All these boring fucking movies. What's this? Whoa, you know, like every once in a while, once in a blue moon, you feel that when you see a trailer, you're just like, what the fuck? At least theoretically you should. I don't know that anybody does anymore. And it's like kind of actually, uh, it would be a bit of a bait and switch, really. This song is so harsh that it doesn't really fit the story. Cause like from last episode, when I described the first chapter, that's way more along the lines of like, that's especially melancholy, but, but it's a very low key story. Very little action actually happens. It's way more about psychological turmoil. It's like, you remember the Max, M-A-X-X, the old Sam Keith comic, and it was an MTV cartoon for a while. I remember he did a little spin-off series called Friends of the Max. And right on the cover, I think it was issue two of that, where the guy's like, hey, haven't you guys had enough of all of this uh, physical jeopardy? How's about some emotional jeopardy? And I always remembered that, because it's true. That's absolutely how I feel. Like, fight scenes and action scenes, they're just such a given. It's like, 
you can just skip over them. It's like, okay, whatever. I mean, it's not like the hero's gonna die in the middle of this fight. What's the point of this? There's rare instances like, uh, you know, Mad Max Fury Road or Crank where the whole movie, or even like the Warriors, you know, if the whole movie is based on this like kinetic feeling of action, then I can get into it. But if you're just tossing action scenes into a movie, I mean, they don't need to be there. You can snip them all out and the actual events of the movie are all still like, anything important <laughs> doesn't happen in an action scene in general. It's just the way my mind is wired, I guess, but I just don't care. Even uh, as much as I love pro wrestling and I watch pro wrestling a lot, the actual matches are the first thing to go when I'm on a time crunch, you know? It's like, yeah, yeah, okay, just tell me who won. Let me hear the funny promos where they insult each other. Let me listen to the cool theme song. I like think it's more interesting to see the swagger of somebody walking to the ring than I do most wrestling matches. Which is a crazy sacrilege, weird thing to say, but it's just, uh, it's just, that's, you know, that's, doesn't grip my mind. Whereas like an argument, <laughs> a philosophical difference, that grips my mind. So this song isn't really appropriate because this song would make it seem like this movie is gonna fucking kick ass and take names, which is the uncoolest way I could ever say that. But it doesn't. Or it's a very small percentage. It only gets to that at the very end. Oh, somebody showed up. I'll do a little seamless edit. Edit now! <laughs> All right, I'm back. It's uh, a little bit later in the day. I'm walking down the mountain now. I found a nice path to take me down. So yeah, basically, I guess I'll do what I did with the other musical stuff, is I'll, I'll kind of walk you through it, and then I'll play the song. And uh, like I said, it's, so this trailer, it kind of is how I envisioned the whole arc of the whole story. Which is a little weird, because uh, it just, it doesn't balance out the same way as the, uh, the story does. It's a lot more end-heavy. But, you know, it's a trailer, and, uh, and like I said, I don't really have a lot of the specifics, you know, the specific beats, the specific things people would say, because I'd need to dig through the story and get the actual lines of dialogue, and, uh, and many of them are not actually written yet. So the basic gist, as I kind of described last time and throughout this podcast series, so this rhino girl, her home planet exploded, now she's uh, trapped on this space station of these really placid, science-like, squid sort of people, jellyfish people. Because she's just like a political refugee, no one knows what to do with her, she's just kind of stuck. So the basic beats of this trailer, as it started, boom, big bombastic song of just like, she is just angry. She's angry that she's here, angry at this space station that she's on, angry at this place, angry at these people. We get introduced to her liaison, the guy who's like her uh, HR rep, the guy who's just supposed to kind of hang out with her and make sure she doesn't go super crazy and just, you know, be her connection. And he asks like, well, if you're so pissed, like what is so bad about this place? What is so wrong with my particular people? What was so great about your place? And then as the song shifts, the next step is, boom, flashback to her planet, which is like, you know, red rocks, sort of deserty, kind of like fucking Nevada slash Mars, <laughs> you know? Really rough and tumble, fucking harsh place. And she talks about just how awesome 
and barbaric her people were, how strong they are, how tough they are, how crazy they are, how amazing they are, compared to this boring fucking shithole. Then back to the station, she's having problems with people, she fucking hates everything, and this is the part of the song where I'd have to edit the song a little because it's kind of too long, because, uh, I don't know, it's just more malaise, whatever. But it gets to the point where her HR guy says, like, hey, look, let's try to fucking hook you up to the system. Let's try to make you a little more a part of this station. So she agrees, and then as the song shifts gears again, boom, now we get the uh, research montage. It's like in Seven or something where they're trying to piece things together at the library. She's hooked up to the computer system now, and she's searching through all the details of what happened to her planet and what, uh, what caused this insane cataclysm. Planets don't just fucking blow up. What the hell was this? And all we learn for the trailer, all that's important to know, is that these people, these jellyfish fuckers, they knew it was gonna happen. They knew the danger was nigh, was kind of imminent. But the nature of this, this force that blows up planets, it's like a Lovecraftian kind of thing in the sense that it's dangerous to know about it. If you don't know it, it doesn't know you. And that's why the rhino planet blew up, is because they're crazy. They're crazy fucks. Even their scientists are crazy, and they didn't heed any warning, and they didn't have any pause in trying to break through to this other world and to interface with this dangerous thing, and it cost them their whole planet. So the jellyfish people, they, they had a sense that this was happening, but there is a limit to what they could do, because if this thing sees them, they're the next to go. Like, how do you help? All they could do to help was to tell the rhinos to stop, and the rhinos won't stop. But to this rhino girl, to our protagonist, this is a crazy revelation that they knew, and they seemingly didn't do anything. And even if the jellies explain it to her in this way, it's not good enough for her, you know? She's war-rattled, she's a teenager, she's an asshole, she's fucked up in the head. All she can see is that these people knew that her people were in danger and they didn't do anything. So for the final big cabra, the music getting super crazy, the end of the trailer is just a montage of... of heck. <laughs> I just walked through a spider web. Blech. A montage of her fighting with aliens on the station and smashing things and breaking stuff and just like the anger is reaching a fever pitch. And then the last shot is her sitting. She has this big cut on her hand. She rubs, she like puts her head in her hands but like rubs her hand on her face and her face is covered in blood and she just looks up at the sky like, what do I do? And then, boom, the title explode and we just see a planet exploding. Blah. And that's it. <laughs> so those are the major beats. <laughs> now let me get the song playing. Let's try this out. Let's see if this works. Oh, by the way, I never said. That's right, I got distracted because I, uh, I took that editing break. Is the song, by the way, it's called All the Things You Hate About Me, I Hate Them Too, or whatever. Something along those lines. The fucking title is too long to show up on my thing. The guy's name is Jamie Lenman. And I found this song completely by accident because I was actually looking for the 10 Things I Hate About You score. <laughs> Soundtrack and score. You can get the score to that movie. So searching for the term Things I Hate 
brought up this song and I just downloaded it by accident and then I was just listening to stuff that I downloaded and it came up and I had no idea where it came from. I pieced together later how I got it. I had no idea what it was. I just loved it. I thought it was awesome. And I still love this guy, Jamie Lenman. He's fucking awesome. He's the only guy on YouTube where I clicked the little bell. Cause you know, it's like, make sure you click the bell for notifications or you might not get to see all the things you subscribe to for whatever reason. Cause YouTube is fucking stupid as fuck. But I noticed, I'm like, fucking YouTube. <laughs> it's the only one I ever noticed. Most of the time it's like, hey, if you don't give me all my subscriptions, I guess I'll never know. Who gives a shit? I watch too much YouTube anyway. But I noticed that a Jamie Lenman thing slipped by me. So he's the only guy I ever rang the bell on. That's how much I like Jamie Lenman. So, okay, here we go. Trailer starts right here. So, Rhino Girl on the space station, angry as fuck, hating the world, hating life, hating these people, hating this place. A montage of hate. One alien species hating another. You guys fucking suck. What is this bullshit? What is this bullshit? This life you have. You think this is civilization? This is pathetic. You live in a petri dish. This is garbage. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck this place. So then one of the uh, squiddy aliens is like, well, what the fuck? What was so great about your people then? Really? You can be this insulting to us? What were you? She says, what was I? Let me tell you about what I was. Boom. We see her planet. It's super harsh. It's just like brutal. Her people are basically barbarians, but they just fucking rule. They have these like adulthood rituals. Most people don't survive. They don't mind killing their young if they're young or too weak. They don't mind killing their old if they're old or too weak. They fucking rocked. But they're gone now. So, you know, all that's left is alien girl on the spaceship. And now here's the part where the song goes on a little too long for the real trailer. I'd have to edit this down a bit because, you know, it's kind of retreading the same stuff. We get to know the aliens a little more, the relationship between the two, the barbarian and the scientist, you know, debating stuff, discussing stuff. She's a real asshole. He's trying to be cool, but, you know, they're from two different worlds. Then he starts saying, okay, look, this is, you're losing your mind. We gotta do something here, so let's uh, try to hook you up to our little computer system on the station. Let's see if we can do something to ease your time here, you know? You can at least, I don't know, you could, like, it's like the equivalent of you can go to the library, you can look at microfiche, you can do something. Again, this part is too long. <laughs> I would edit this down in the trailer. But she's like, yeah, alright, what else am I doing with my life? Let's try it. So she does, and they connect her up, and she starts researching through their stuff. And this is where she starts to realize, like, the truth or it, closest she could figure out to what happened to her planet and how this cataclysm occurred. And she realizes that they knew about it and they were monitoring the situation and they didn't do anything. And she confronts the guy about it and he tries to explain, but she just is incensed, like, my people are dead, they all died and you did nothing. Freak out montage! Her fucking smashing things on the ship and fighting with people and just, like, crazy shit. Every fucking little piece of action that happens in the story happens right here. And she wipes her blood on her face and she just doesn't, doesn't know what to do and then the planet explodes and it says EXPLODE. And if you fall the of my love, well then fuck yeah, wow! Coming Christmas Day. And there it is. <laughs> There's the trailer. I've walked back into civilization again. 
Can never stay at a civilization that long around here. But there we go. There's uh, the next step in my series of musical, musical inspirational things. So I hope you enjoyed. <laughs> now let's just end the episode by playing that song again. Let's just play it straight up. Jamie Lennon. Fucking wicked song. See you next time. Oh, man.